down your ticket stub to Into the Spider-Verse. It's Wednesday, and that means it's time for U.S. Comics Cast! Welcome back to U.S. Comics Cast. I am joined this week and every comic book day by the CEO and my larger-than-life older brother, John Rivera. Ah, yeah. And I am joined by the COO, the younger brother, the Carlton to my fresh prince, Charlie Rivera. What's up, sucker? I also have many lawsuits coming out this week. <laughs> you also have many bow ties, and you have one dance that you do amazing. I do, and tell Fortnite I'm coming after him. The Charlotte <laughs> dance shall not be replicated. You are you are literally lawsuit number 77 against Fort, <laughs> Fortnite for ripping off dances. Wow. I think they charge like a dollar a dance. They're fine. They're gajillionaires. They should just settle. Settle them all, they baby. Should. They're like, yeah, how much do you want? <laughs> they, 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 there should be not even any lawsuit necessary. There should just be just the dance payoff guy. <laughs> has his own little spot. It's like a drive through at uh, Epic Games. You just pull up because you're already rich. Because you already have to be somebody of some note. You just pull up. You order a number. Say, yeah, let me order a Carlton to go. And they're just like... <laughs> That's sad. Just sad. <laughs> you know what? It's a solid plan, though. That's my whole new thing. We're canceling the show. I'm canceling the comic. <laughs> I'm canceling all of our projects. I'm just going to come up with a really good dance to sue yeah. Fortnite. I, I, I got <laughs> to tell you, man, we're, we're living in a, in a beautiful age of movies. I checked out the new Spider-Man flick. I got my ticket pre-ordered for Aquaman. But me personally, those trailers always do something magical. So I'm sitting shoving mm-hmm. popcorn in my face. I see that new Godzilla trailer. And the, nice. the, the dumbest thing popped into my head. Now, that trailer looked amazing. I'm not sure if you saw it. I'm not sure if you loved it. But do you remember? And I, and I, I'm, I did so little prep for this segue. Awesome. They, I love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> they did a, a classic Toho Godzilla movie. I'm pretty sure it's when he fought Desatroya, my favorite villain oh, name of all wow. time. Where nice. there was a Godzilla force that mm-hmm. was like the Power Rangers. They had like right. power suits and they straight sure. up were fighting monsters. Yeah, that well, for some reason. I mean, <laughs> yeah, logically speaking, as far as Godzilla movies, that's as logical as anything else you're going to catch. So that popped into my ha- in my mind because I'm like, why isn't there more of that? That's the comic book. Because I need it's someone terrible. to write. How dare you? How dare you? What's that? What's uh-huh. that amazing? What's that amazing anime you love where they fight monsters with their leg ropes, and they have with like gun blades? Ropes? Are you talking attack? Are you talking Attack on Titan shit? I am right talking now? Attack on Titan, sir. How very dare you, sir? How very it's the dare same- you? It's the same concept, and that's a horrible example because it was a manga, which is a kissing cousin (laughs) of a comic book. But this week, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the the non-comic book properties, stuff that Uh maybe became a comic book, uh, but that's a little bit cheating. But I want to talk about what 
feels like a comic book? What helped inform the the things you love about heroes or villains? That's what I want to pick your your brain about. Because sure, sure. The fact that I could see an amazing trailer and think of a equally amazing weird Godzilla uh-huh. film from the past and equate it to Power Rangers just proves I have a problem. But that's what I need sure. to hear, well, man. You, so you definitely have a problem. That that goes without saying. <laughs> no, no lead-in or intro necessary for that. Um, yeah. Well, well, you know what I mean. And and we uh to cheat a little bit to the audience, um, we we do kind of <laughs> we we tease a little bit to ourselves, kind of the topics of conversation going into the week. And uh, you know when you brought it up. Um, a few things popped into my head right away, and um, I don't really want to say that this is a particular example of good or bad, but I will say that it's in, important, and um, I was uh, recently reminded of it because I caught the Netflix series um, about about toys from the 80s. Because again, oh, yes. I'm, I'm a child child of the 80s and I played with the greatest toys any, any generation has ever seen, ever. I'll fight anybody to death or try to say otherwise. Um, but um, one of the biggest toys and, and uh, actually has his own standalone Netflix special about the toy line was He-Man. Now He-Man, everybody can instantly picture him. They got that kind of squat wrestler uh, pose and physique. They're an iconic toy at this point. They've, they've seen many iterations and they, they keep on raking in the dough. Um, but what happened with, with He-Man is they came out with the, the toy first. And it was interesting because uh, that was an era where toys were uh, completely connected uh, by the umbilical cord to cartoon properties. That was like kind of how you sold. That's how you motivated the goofy kids to drag their parents into the toy stores and to get them the toys that they just saw on the small screen. Now, He-Man we have was no faith in these dumb kids coming up no, with their own no, none, stories. Nothing. I mean, look, that that's the same generation that developed the warning sign. Like, you know, <laughs> we, 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 we had to have the warnings on uh, Pop-Tart, <laughs> Pop-Tart rappers saying... You need to remove the pop tart from this wrapper in order to put it in the toaster. So no, we don't we don't give them any credit at all. Um, but yeah, so so He Man can He Man. You're supposed from to take nowhere. that silver that that silver part's the best yeah, part. Yeah, dude, you are it's delicious. you are missing out a world of flavor right now. You really really are. Uh, so so yeah, so He Man came from nothing. So they're pitching, and they said, hey, you know what? Here's this property, this toy, with no backstory. And this was even before the cartoon existed. The way that they propagated this universe was the mini-comic. And it was actually Marvel. Yeah, it was Marvel. And this is the first thing that I thought of when you brought up the topic. Marvel was brought uh, into the fold. and, And, you know, whoever the artists were that had nothing else going on, this is what their assignment was. So the whole He-Man backstory, the whole Skeletor backstory, the whole Eternia jam was Marvel's doing. And they did so in this mini comic. And and there was a different mini comic inserted with each figure. So, hey, someone like a little goofball like me who loved 
muscular half-naked men toys. <laughs> so, you know, figure that out. You still uh, do. And comic books. <laughs> Guilty. And comic books. It was a, a, a perfect storm. So I couldn't get my little grubby mitts on those figures fast enough because obviously the toy was worth having. Um, but I, I really couldn't wait to get my mitts on those little mini comics and, and learn more about the mythos and, and background. And uh, it wasn't until actually uh, a little bit later, the cartoon was the last part of the uh, of the equation to, to fall. And then once the cartoon drops, forget about it. Then, then the whole world uh, changed and He-Man kind of took over for a while there. Um, but yeah, those little mini comics, those He-Man mini comics, they've become pretty collectible. And uh, honestly, they tell a different backstory to the He-Man world than uh, the cartoon did and uh, than the inevitable uh, standalone full-size uh, He-Man comics did uh, in both iterations because I think that there's been two. Um, but those, those little mini comics, anybody who's my age, awesome age, uh, they they know those mini comics very very well. Just such a good gimmick, the mini comic yeah, it's, with it's a toy. Dynamite. Just convincing parents like they can read too. Like come on, we're looking at pictures <laughs> and we're throwing the sword down my throat. I want to choke on something <laughs> delicious. Uh, you, what's funny about that is is I I am uh, uh, I I like everything. I am a very easy audience. <laughs> that is patently not true. I can speak from experience. I'm just that trying to. Lie. I'm just. I'm just trying to change my brand up. Oh, uh, lion cat uh, is let, looking let, at you, <laughs> shaking his ha hairy head right now. Bad. Let's try this. I like a lot of terrible stuff. I <laughs> that's, have. <laughs> that's completely true. Lion cat has no problem with that. I have a lot of questionable, questionable taste, but I hate the fact. That I live in a world where where how many Jurassic Parks have we had? Is it like we're up to six? Like <laughs> that? I feel like that scene in Back to the Future Two where it's like Rocky four thousand. <laughs> how we? If He Man was one of, if not the most successful, we're gonna make a toy line. We're gonna roll out these mini comics. It's gonna be a cartoon. Yeah, it became a movie, became a, a regular comic. We have to talk about a company uh, that that took the exact same map. Uh, mm -hmm. Only a few years later, I'm only jumping to 1988. How the mm -hmm. hell do we not have Dino Riders uh, on the big screen, on the small screen, and in comic books? For those uninformed, Dino Riders is about people who ride <laughs> dinosaurs <They're riders. laughs> it was pretty self-explanatory uh it only lasted 14 episodes uh three were put on a vhs which is something my my wonderful brother was able to pass down to me uh, -huh. uh the yes. series focused on the battle between the good valorians and the evil rulons on a prehistoric earth but it's bat it's it's insane times a thousand it's whatever you're picturing if you've never seen dino riders and you're like what they do throw a bunch of gi joe <laughs> leftover parts on a goddamn tyrannosaurus and have someone ride the tyrannosaurus are you kidding me this is such a crazy property marvel made the comic book uh the tagline was harness the power of dinosaurs 
So very much kind of invoking uh, the He-Man action. Dino Riders was amazing. How is no one, even as like a joke, how has no one made this into comic book glory? Three comics wasn't I think enough. You, I think you nailed the, the uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with the joke <laughs> part of it. I think Excuse that'd be pretty me. tough. You're to telling sell me He Man <laughs> is is uh-huh. less insane of a concept? Neutered Conan the Barbarian <clears throat> versus you know, you're, Dino you're Riders? As if uh, He Man did not have running around dinosaurs with laser guns and armor. On their heads and and backs and tails. Uh, yes, I I, w- <laughs> I would argue that fact, sir. I I just want everyone to right now <laughs> just Google search <laughs> any of the toy line or any of the uh-huh. promotional art. John, they sure. freaking have pterodactyls with harnesses that people are in, exactly like a hang glider. Only instead of fabric, it Go is a goddamn pterodactyl. I guarantee that that toy line completely happened because, uh, you know, some poor unpaid intern was instructed saying, <laughs> uh, "All right, go go through the warehouse, just find a bunch of a bunch of loose parts lying around that we haven't duplicated in like a few years. Find a different uh, plastic color palette we can." Uh, we can run it off on and just uh, slap something together, Skippy. And before you know it, there was uh, intergalactic Krulos and his Rulons, human <laughs> Valorians flying through the wormhole, and, you know, prehistoric. I, I guarantee there were just uh, extra dino parts lying around and a few gun bits here and there. Don't that worry, man. I, I'm, 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 reading, I'm reading between the lines. I ordered you. <laughs> I ordered you Hammerhead, the Triceratops. Oh, it's great. near mint, baby. Fifty-six bucks <laughs> on eBay. Of it's course, it's your near way. mint because nobody wanted it in the first place. <laughs> How Yuck. dare you? At bare minimum, Very it's easily, as sir. good as the last four Jurassic Park films. Ah, uh, well, there, there's no minimum. no argument there. You, you you do have me there. When you make a point, you make a point. All <laughs> I right, tip, so, I tip my uh, hat your way. <laughs> Uh, I, I see where you're coming from on that one. Um, but all right, just, just kind of rolling in my direction. Um, I think that one of the, uh, uh, the comic book properties that, um, that came from an, uh, an open source that just was dominant. You, you can't not talk about the, uh, the Star Wars comics, man, because, uh, obviously the, the movie hit like, an asteroid in prehistoric uh, Earth, you know, uh, the movie dropped on T-Rex and uh, uh, um, the Triceratops and, and whatnot. Um, the movie was just an instant, instant hit. And uh, what was very interesting about Star Wars was uh, clearly in a ve- uh, vehicle, no, no pun intended, that was just like crack-laced candy to babies. Um, there were no toys available for... Uh, kids when when star wars dropped and that was like a massive massive mistake 
Um, I mean, there's a whole big story that goes along with it, how they shopped the property around for toy makers and nobody really wanted it or they wanted it for steel. And ultimately, they, um, Lucas and, and uh, the makers, the producers of the movie, they made a really bad deal for, for the inevitable toys, uh, for the toy agreement where they were making like literally cents, uh, pennies. On the dollar for a toy line that was massive, but the toy line nonetheless wasn't really ready for uh, for a while. Um, but you know what was ready almost immediately uh, were comic books, and that's that's how they filled the gap at at first because little kids they they wanted to get their Star Wars fix, and obviously they couldn't get into the movie theaters every day like they wanted to. But you know what they were able to pick up a thirty cents comic. Uh, and that's what Star Wars comics uh, did for them. And, and Star Wars comics has such a long, rich history. They've gone through different publishers. They started with Marvel. Um, they ended up independent. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I think they're back now. They were with Dark Horse for a while. And now they're back with Marvel. Um, they're with IDW Publishing. I think they're simultaneously somehow with Marvel and IDW. Yeah, um, which is which but, is such a strange uh, landscape. Yeah, but it's, it's awesome. A, it's a yeah, it's kind of kind of like Opie and Anthony were on terrestrial but also satellite radio at the yeah. same time. <laughs> like a, a special deal under under the table deal had to be get done. But um, yeah, Star Wars comics were were just awesome. I mean, once they got past the green Darth Vader, really, I think that was like their only <laughs> their only misstep. Um, but I mean, the Star Wars comics, a lot of them. A shaped continuity you know yeah. what i mean like um uh they they told stories uh in between movies before movies after movies um they were they were really instrumental in kind of continuing that whole big uh universe and keeping it in the in the limelight uh even when there wasn't a particular uh episode in the theaters i mean i loved 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 star wars comics Interestingly enough, when Marvel did lose them the first time, they had this huge slate of specific uh, kind of space, fantasy, sci-fi artists uh, on deck, and uh, nothing to do with them because now they couldn't do more. <laughs> they couldn't do Star Wars comics anymore. Oh, they went off and they started. They started doing. Um, I think that was the first kind of like re-upping of Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy for them. Because Guardians came out, you know, well before, and, and they were like late sixties, but they really? kind of got shelved for a while there. Yeah, Guardians has been around a long time, but but they really fe- they fell out of favor a little bit once Marvel uh, lost the um, the Star Wars comics uh, making rights. They put those folks to work on on Guardians. That was kind of like wave two for them. So it's an interesting little uh, side note, but. Yeah, man, some of some of the Star Wars comics, and I'm talking about even to this day, there are some. One of the, uh, you have a very uh, an infamous story of uh, getting scared shitless by not Darth Vader, <laughs> but by a dark helmet from Spaceballs fame. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think any kid can really say that when when Darth Vader first shows up, you're pissing your pants. I mean, he's a scary dude. But uh, just like anything else, as <laughs> as time uh, as time goes on, and we mature and we start learning about scarier things, um, some of the fear falls off. The fear was thoroughly put back into my heart 
just very recently by the standalone Darth Vader series that they put out where Darth Vader is just wrecking dudes. I mean, there are like a dozen pages, multiple panels where Darth Vader is ruining people's days, chopping them in half. What an easy script that must have been. Insulting their mama. Darth Vader loses goddamn shit. (laughs) Darth Vader's like stealing people's uh, uh, credit cards. He's, He's cheating on their girlfriends with them. He's just... He's he's going crazy. He's going berserk. Unbelievable. The, the things that you can do in comic books that you can't do with a hundred million dollar budget on uh, on celluloid. Boy, oh boy, man! They put the fear of God in me with Darth Vader again. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's amazing. What I really what what's particularly interesting about the Star Wars comics for me is is now the Star Wars fandom is so divided. Um, yeah. There's there's three factions. Uh, there's the people who just kind of want to be left alone about it and don't want to hear <laughs> the word Star Wars. There are people who who say you know uh, any and they they kind of take sometimes my uh, methodology of a bit too much to heart where they're like anything's better than nothing. Worst case scenario, it sucks. Hopefully they'll get it next time. Then there are the people who sure. feel completely betrayed. But out of all those audiences. There's a, a, a nice, thick cross-section of people who, regardless of, of the direction of the films may go or things they may not like or casting choices or decisions that turn up for those, those comics uh, week after week, month after month, I don't yeah. think anyone could sit and say they really understand the character of Darth Vader without having mm. really... Uh, taking a nice deep dive into the series uh, that that came out, I, I think just a couple of years ago. Um, but that Darth Vader series has been amazing. It really lets you inside of his head. Oh man! Um, it it kind of does mean, all, what three prequels could all, all of it. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I mean they're able to get you into. I mean, look the the Star Wars galaxy. Um, you know the, their their universe is. It's so massive, and uh, you know, unlike a lot of other properties, which are literally more grounded, and you know, it's, it's a lot easier to follow the, uh, you know, follow the adventures and missteps of a single character. A lot of times, I mean, this is a huge, huge storytelling, and um, the comics can just instantly go to any particular corner of the galaxy, and they can, you know, all of a sudden you can be introduced to an entirely new race and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's just really, really awesome. The the Star Wars comics are are pretty special. Yeah, and and I I think it what's what's again really interesting about just the format of of comic books is what they can provide. They their their budget does it. They, you don't need hundreds of millions of dollars. You don't need a huge promotional team. Uh, what you need mm-hmm. really is is just a, a, an idea. So when comics are not necessarily adaptations of a book or a TV show or a movie, but when you're saying is like this is the groundwork, build us another dimension, build us more mm-hmm. detail. Here, here's the toy box. Go play. Yeah, and and what the next one we're gonna we're gonna talk about or that I want to talk about is a little bit of a a little bit of a cheat. This is really the only time I I kind of cheat on on today's episode. Probably, who knows? Uh, but back in uh, 1998, I think it was. I apologize if all my years are wrong. Always, 
uh, bite me. Um, uh, it was actually 2011. <laughs> it was two weeks ago. Uh, back in <laughs> 1998, uh, off of the tremendous success of Batman the Animated Series, the show was winding down. Its ratings mm. were were not by any stretch of the imagination bad, but they were nowhere near the once v- insane popularity of that series. They went to them and they said, what we really want is we want to tell Batman stories about a young Batman. Uh, and their response mm-hmm. was, uh, that's Robin. Like, there's a character that does, <laughs> that serves that goal. And they said, no, we need it to be, we need it to be Batman. Um, and they came up with a compromise. The, uh, the idea was, let's jump into the future. We'll have a new Batman take the mantle. Uh, with the old Batman still kind of running the show, and that created Batman Beyond, uh, the, the kind of follow-up to not only Batman the Animated Series, but Batman and Robin the Animated mm-hmm. Series. This was eventually adapted into its own comic book that, unlike Star Wars, which, which was a great pull, I'm actually mad at myself that I didn't think of it, <laughs> the, the Batman Beyond comic hasn't really found its legs yet. Uh, it's mm. it's it's very critically in between. It's not quite the TV show enough. It tends to consistently fall off the the rails. Back when New Fifty Two was launched, they were like, "We're gonna do it, Batman Beyond," and then uh-huh. they immediately took Terry McGinnis, who is the Batman Beyond uh, character. Right. Uh, they removed him and they put in hmm. a former Robin. Uh, so my my question I really want to pose to you because this is not a, a gushing uh, review of the comic book. It's not like the Star Wars comic book. Sure, sure. It's not. I don't have this need for more Dino Riders. It's not slightly <laughs> better than Conan because it's even more over the top. Like He Man. What what do you think is missing magic wise about Batman Beyond? Is it too much of a money grab? Is its uh, background too uh, weak? You know what? That's that's a it's a you raise a really good question because um i mean for for me the the real attraction uh and and the reason why it was worth coming back for batman beyond wasn't terry mcginnis and it certainly wasn't the the magical bat uh the the bat uh face that you could speak through somehow <laughs> and i wasn't really I wasn't really quite sure even that uh, design to this date bugs the shit out of me. By the uh, way, I'm like, how the hell is he talking through the? It would the have mask? to go inside like, his have, mouth, but I digress. I have less of a problem with every Marvel character's mask being being able to just kind of digitize to, to nothing in the Marvel movies. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm like, how, what's happening? Where where is it going? It's like Pooby Gun. I need to know where where are those masks <laughs> going. Um, and and like no matter what their origins are, like uh, Star Lord does it, but also now Iron Man does it. I'm like, well, what the hell's going on? Anyways, different different thing. Um, but yeah, no, the 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 real attraction for me wasn't Terry McGinnis. It was old crotchety Clint Eastwood, Bruce Wayne, and uh, that's personally what I really really loved about it. So it to me it does kind of make sense that they said. Um, you know what? Uh, in the in the uh, the Batman and Robin uh, relationship of Batman Beyond, Robin isn't what's landing here. Terry McGinnis was somewhat disposable. The costume was uh, was definitely eye catching, and I think that's probably what's most uh, uh, eye, um, 
iconic uh, from that series. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they when they translated it over to the to the new two and and the, the comic books, I mean, I didn't really read the the standalone Batman Beyond comic books. Were they any good? Did you the, enjoy them? They or? did a mini series that was kind of written for for younger audiences back in '99. Uh, I read a handful of okay. those. They were just kind of tie-ins. Very much to the uh, to the cartoon series at the time, which right. I was obviously was like three super years. into. Yeah, um, the series itself has been very, very, very disappointing to me. Um, again, it's like okay. like my opinion. Uh, unfortunately, for for the conversation purposes, uh, it does a little bit <laughs> fall apart because my two favorite things. I loved Crotchety Batman in his ear. I love the idea oh, he's of great. you put you put someone just outside of their comfort zone. Terry's good. Mm-hmm. He's not good enough. It does take... No, he, he messes up just enough to be endearing. Exactly. So the other thing that they added in later seasons of Batman Beyond was they reintroduced Superman. Um, and I didn't love mm-hmm. the way they did in the cartoon, but the one thing I love, love, love that they did was that Terry was super enamored with Superman. So you have mm. him that he's kind of very like, shut up, old man, to Bruce. But he's like, oh, gosh, oh. Superman, you're swell, whatever you want, sir. Um, and I feel <laughs> like I, I wish the comic would focus on that you know, Batman Beyond year one sort of sensibility. Um, it just it, I, I think there's magic there waiting to be tapped. I love when you take stories that are that are arguably in canon and you have mm. uh, kind of things you see that don't quite make sense. Why does Barbara hate Dick now? You could tell interesting mm. stories in this world with Terry in the center of it, and it can be interesting. Right, right, right. They haven't quite done it yet, um, but my fingers are crossed. They 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 really people love that character, love Terry, love the right. suit with its weird mouth and they, everything. Is it that you think that they like the idea of a teenage? Batman because the you know kind of like um whatever uh whatever deserved success or not that Gotham has is that's kind of like preteen Batman so yeah I, I I wonder if it's more like uh the the what if aspect of it I don't know I think comic book right this unfortunately is is I, I don't mean this in any way disrespectful it is damn near impossible to to get a a comic book out there um and writers work very blah 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 uh, i don't know why i just did a psa uh-huh. for like my opinion fuck you guys um <laughs> i think the problem is no one has written a terry mcginnis comic yet that it's been a passion project mm. for them i think people who want to oh, write batman want to write bruce um and i think sure, everything sure. else suffers it's why they keep trying to kill off poor dick grayson is because no one yeah. the right people don't get to write those stories so i feel like when it's an mm. assignment all the Batman Beyond comics reek of you have to do this Terry story, and they don't want to, yeah, yeah. and it it right. feels phoned in. No, I understand that. Well, you know what's going to happen is there's going to be some kid who 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 grew up on Batman Beyond. That was what was on TV when they when he or she got home from school, and uh, you know that's that's what was on when they were eating their. You know the the frosted flakes or their their uh, Cheerios, <laughs> and um, their their dream has always been, like you said, to write a Terry McGinnis story that does this, that, or the other thing, um, and and that's that's when you're gonna see that character really kind of burst through 
the the glass ceiling um you know because uh, look we all have special affections to what was you know to what was hot when we were growing up and and that's what's that's what's floating around on the um you know on the on the brain during those developmental years that kid is out there i i guarantee you yeah it's and i i just can't wait cuz again the the potential there is is tremendous so much so uh i thought it was a worthwhile cheat cuz again batman obviously is a comic book you don't get batman beyond well, without batman but i i i think it it can and should and hasn't yet uh stood on its own feet but uh but I'm hoping one day. I hear you. I'm hoping one day. What else you got for keep us your, this week? Keep your fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed. I, I took two um, batarangs right, and I well, crossed those. <laughs> That's right. Just don't cross the streams. <laughs> um, for for me, it's gonna have to be. Um, and again, this uh, he men notwithstanding, um, a uh, a comic or I I shouldn't even honestly I I almost don't want to call it a comic because. When it first came out, it wasn't. It was a straight-up magazine that told these awesome stories. And um, as big as He-Man was for me uh, in the 80s, he wasn't bigger than Conan. Conan was the man, dude. Uh, and um, I spent many, many long summer nights reading uh, Robert Howard's uh, um, you know who 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 famously uh, you know uh, came up with the character um, novel novelizations you know not actually that's not true there weren't novelizations they were straight up just novels um, he just wrote story after story after story about Conan in much the same way that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about Sherlock Holmes um, but just this vicious murderous psychopath monster. Um, the Savage Sword of Conan, when it when it was Ooh. out there, and and um, the the best thing about uh, about that magazine, and again it was a magazine. Um, first of all, it was black and white. It pulled zero punches. Um, this was this was not gonna pass the the comics code of its day or anything <laughs> like that, you know. And and you need to understand, and uh, you know, just just for the listeners, our father worked in the in the printing business and the publishing business so he used to get um when he came home with comics he came home with like a bundle of comics when he came home with savage sword of conan for me i mean that that magazine started in 1974 i was binging before netflix was <laughs> even uh you know a, a twinkle in the nutsack of the, of the creators um i was binge reading comic books like you like you like you've heard about like the legends pretend um i was just reading magazine after magazine after magazine the biggest challenge was to uh prevent mom from seeing what i was seeing because it was nudity it was uh, violence it was the deca- decapitations kicking kicking dudes off of uh, cliffs before 300 even thought about it um it was just outstanding and ultimately conan did make his way over um uh, the uh, the the printers, um, the, the, it was an imprint of Marvel Comics, but then ultimately Marvel Comics, um, kind of kind of tamed them a, a bit, uh, <laughs> to fall under the comic code, um, but it was um, just just dynamite, and and the thing about it also was, uh, the Savage Sword of Conan, as as beautiful as a lot of the comic books of uh, the 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 Conan comics specifically which have come thereafter, 
these were they they were works of art. They were painted covers. Just gorgeous. So like if uh, yeah, just like 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 the Alex Ross of the day. So like you're talking about uh, Earl Norum, Bob Lark, and Joe Jusco. I mean these these guys were putting out uh, to me uh, pieces of art that could have hung in the Louvre or the, you know the Museum of Natural History in my in my stupid brain. Um, but these were like these were gorgeous. These were absolute gorgeous. And then on the inside, it was just like <laughs> just it's just in, insanity. And um, yeah, and I and I follow Conan through the comics even to this day. And uh, you know, again, the the novels are fantastic. The movies are some are better than others. You know, I have my own personal order. I'm still waiting for Conan the King with Schwarzenegger. <sighs> Come on, take uh, a taking, take taking a the cue off back. of Stallone, As, baby, do it. I know. As much as I love Jason Momoa, I did not particularly love his. He did what uh, he could with that that script. Yeah, I the weird mean, exactly. egg thing right out the, the uh, gate bugged me. Just yeah, just just it wasn't the wasn't the best. There idea. is one um, when when but, you say the savage sort of Conan, there's one uh, cover that's burned into my mind. Um, I'm gonna butcher this name, but it's Boris Vallejo. He did uh, Tree of Death. If you remember the cover at uh-huh. all, and, and it might you may or may not. I remember it was controversial. He's crucified on a wooden X. There's a skull in the background, like amongst the clouds. And there's mm-hmm. uh, vultures waiting to like for him to die. And he looks pissed. It's so... <laughs> but he looked like... That's Conan, all right. He looked like Triple H, but he has like weird bangs for some reason. It's yeah, that that was that was his look for for uh, the majority of those years. That cover alone uh, earns him a spot on any list that he (laughs) wants to be on. Cause crikey, I mean, yeah, those those covers. Honestly, if they put out um, a book of just the old Savage Sword of Conan covers, I would that that's an instant buy for me. It, it's an instant buy, and it's on the coffee table, and uh, I guarantee be a, a debate uh, to be put away <laughs> when family comes over. But I I, I think I would honestly, I mean, if I had any real, uh, real laughably large balls, if I had grape <laughs> like to take one of those covers. And have it like recreated and framed. That's a centerpiece of a living room, oh, baby. God. It'll make you feel yeah, terrible kidding, kicking man. back fucking trash <laughs> food, though. Oh, you're yeah, like, you know yeah. what? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna take a jog. Maybe I take a jog today. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some pie? No, uh, nope, nope. I, I think I'm going to go lift a Mercedes. Do you not see? Do a couple of reps. <laughs> do you not see Conan holding this guy's head, about to chop it off? <laughs> no, I'm clearly not going to have. Do pie. you not see Conan flexing his twenty abs? He has twenty abs. I have one. I have one giant ab. Uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> to to to. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> To jump over to to another, uh, uh, I think it's a betrayal that we haven't had a new comic book based on this. It only had 12 issues, ran from 2006 to 2009. The title character bears a, a shocking resemblance looking at my article and looking at those Conan posters, those Conan covers. <laughs> um, I'm talking about Gargoyles, uh, the animated series 
was turned into a bi-monthly oh, wow. comic from Slave Labor Graphics, a very not PG uh, <laughs> titled company. Um, the art was very true to the cartoon with giving it a little bit of that harder, harder edge. Uh, for those who really don't know, it's a 1994 animated series. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, specifically, the first two seasons are just spectacular. It's about these mystical characters who are, in essence, left to to sit in stone form until modern age where their curse is lifted because their building is quite literally brought above the cloud line. It's amazing. Has a, a, a Conan vibe to it almost. Um, in as much as the 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 so, magic and the, the the where their origin is, I've always talked about this as a as a film begging to get made, uh, especially after Lord of the Rings, where we saw what CG could do, and now more than ever, it's true. There's always rumors that they're going for it and they're gonna adapt the uh, adapt the story. The great thing about the comic book for me was it takes place after the second season of the television show. So it quite literally kept, hmm. uh, it, it, it continued the the series, uh, which uh, ran, um, the first two seasons were 65 episodes. So this, in essence, jumps in to episode 66. Uh, absolutely nice. uh, brilliant. Uh, a lot of people don't consider the third season of television canon because uh, it kind of went off the rails a bit. It was a Disney license. Wow. Um, absolutely uh, genius. Created by uh, Greg Weissman. Uh, written by Greg Weissman um, for the comic book. So it really was the the creator getting to, to pick his toys back up and really go with it. Uh, again, the covers are beautiful. The story's great. Uh, I don't understand how this isn't uh, a monthly or a bare minimum. Uh, it's not back to being a bi-monthly. It's character design's great and huh. storytelling is great there's there's no downside to gargoyles to me at least well yeah see the the, the thing about gargoyles for me was you are taking a, a story it's almost like game of thrones ish yeah um their their backstory and then inserting them into modern modern day so that's like your classic fish out of water story except that your fish is a giant <laughs> flying monster that turns stone during the day. So, like, you know, what? how do you not have fun with that? So, <laughs> you know, talking about, like, the, um, you were talking about people who get assigned things, so to speak. Can you imagine that's what you're assigned? Like, here, plop. Here's this, um, here's this giant, giant thing that you get to now play with. I mean, that's like winning the lottery to a, to a certain degree. That's... That's a lot of backstory. That's a lot of history that you can now tell, um, that you can conceive of uh, if you want to, because there's a lot of, um, eh, forgive my forgive my uh, uh, language, but there's a lot of holes to fill there. <laughs> uh, so, so a, a particular writer or writer artist team or a combo um, had, could really have a lot of fun with that, don't don't you think? Like that's. That'd be pretty amazing, and also as a as a fan, even like someone like myself who's compared to you, um, you know, a, a lukewarm fan by by comparison, um, I, I would love to see love to hear those stories. I just want to hear about the 
uh, the technical aspects. I I like watching the 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 home shows and stuff, especially the ones where they like they'll pick up a a log cabin from seventeen seventy two and and move it halfway across the the world, you know, the country. I love seeing those stories. Tell me how this dude who has arguably the greatest facial hair in all of cartoondom <laughs> and that it, time Tony Stark. was able to transport. He was able to transport well, a Scottish castle to the top of a fucking building in Manhattan. I want to know which architectural firm got that contract and was able to pull that shit off. Because that is straight up amazing. <laughs> I want to know how he did it. I want to see how he did it. And I want him to do it again because that's a great look. <laughs> top of your... Uh, I don't care what your last name is. The top of your tower, if it's named after you in Manhattan, if it doesn't have a castle on the very top of it, if your penthouse isn't a fucking castle, <laughs> you ain't shit. I don't care how much money you have. You're nothing. Maybe that's why no one will pick up the property. They're like... Our eccentric rich billionaire looks like a dickhole. <laughs> like Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark are like, we fucked up. We spent all of our money wrong. Yeah, yeah. All the iron suits yeah, ain't worth just... shit. Lex Luthor just like, he's not even saying anything. <laughs> he starts growing his hair back. He's like, what's the fucking point? What's the point? It doesn't matter if I live in the in the Legion of Doom. It looks like a penis head coming up out of the water. It's, I got no game. I got nothing if it's not a castle on the top of a skyscraper. I think the best thing that we just learned is that we could do about 95 different things with the gargoyle property. All would be fantastic. If we're doing it on Adult Swim, it's oh, yeah. just him moving that castle to his house, home makeover <laughs> style. We could do it as a dating yeah, show. That's it. Him getting all the chicks yeah, and dudes. Yeah. Then... He could bring in Chip and Joanna Gaines. They could redecorate the whole fucking place. It would be awesome. That's like a whole series right there. Done. Done. Sign me up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you and me both, brother. <laughs> you got another one that's on the tip All of your right, tongue, so my friend? I I do. I do. And, and once again, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to dip into my storied past as a young child, uh, growing up in the '80s. I'm actually going to give you, uh, uh, for time for time time constraint purposes, I'm actually going to give you a double, Ooh. a two for if it will. Buy one get one free. Not the comics because they didn't roll that way, <laughs> but um, in actuality, I will give you the two for because they were completely intertwined. Uh, in the comic books and and it had never happened um in the cartoon series for which they uh in which they uh originated but all the fandom they're both their individual fandoms and their combined fandoms much like me know them to coexist in the same universe i'm gonna give you transformers and i'm gonna give you gi joe (sighs) So it's a two-for-one, baby. John Rivera's House of Deals. That is so, the best two-for-one so offer again, ever. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so, so again, coming off of their... Straight off of... Because they didn't waste any time back then. Uh, this, was the, this was the 80s where money was lying in the streets just like cocaine. Um, so immediately upon their success on the small screen cartoons... Both Transformers and G.I. Joe rolled out in comic book format. 
And uh, similarly, they, uh, to, to some of the other properties we're talking about, they were absolutely in canon. It's not as if, um, you know, it's not as if the Decepticons had a, a different origin in the comic or anything like that. Um, they were absolutely in continuity. They were canon. So what happened in the show affected what happened in the comics. I remember when Hot Rod first showed up in the comics, it was like a big deal. Um, but also, and, and probably mo- more interesting even, was the fact that they intersected. They were both done by Marvel, so I, I mean, I'm not really sure if that has anything to do with them. I think it has more to do with the fact that the same company made the toys, and uh, ultimately that was what they were really pushing. Genius out there. bastards. Um, so you had trans. Yeah, it was really smart. So you had GI Joe, uh, uh, coming in contact with and uh, dealing with the Transformers on a regular basis. And again, that was canon. That's they they had a shared world that they lived in. Now the only drawback, and even as a kid, I had I kind of took umbrage with it. And this has a lot to do with, uh, you see, that kind of raising <sighs> its raising its uh, head um, nowadays with these shared universes and things like that. To me, the the issue was always, um, all right. So Cobra is attacking Washington D.C. And they have all the senators on the lock and key, and things are looking real bad. And GI Joe is doing its very best to uh, to kind of get the situation under control, even though Cobra clearly has much better uniforms and much better vehicles. So, good luck, Yojo. Um, but that being said, even my little pipsqueak sized brain at the time was thinking one thing: Do you Where know the is? fuck is Optimus Prime? Where the fuck? Where the fuck is Optimus Prime? Where? Give me Bumblebee. Give me anybody. <laughs> Someone hang any out with the goddamn GI Joes. Help them out. Uh, any, <laughs> any of these Autobot uh, illegal immigrant motherfuckers, any of them <laughs> could have helped out my boys GI Joe in these instances. So, so sincerely, but uh, all joking aside, that was really my. That was really my the, the the point that I that I took with it. Look, I, I think it was really really cool when they when they um where they crossed paths and and the shared stories and this and the that, um and and obviously their standalone comics were absolutely outstanding. Actually, uh, you and I have spoken uh, about it recently. Also, one of my favorite comic books. Period. Like, put 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 your top ten Phantom out in front of you. Um, one of my favorite comic books is a G.I. Joe title, and it is the kind of like the boot camp for yes. G.I. Joe. I don't know if you remember that conversation we had. It's a dynamite story. It, it, it literally takes the reader through the boot camp. Forget about the Green Berets. Forget about Special Forces. Forget about any of these uh, groups. Look at the G.I. Joe training. To be a G.I. Joe, you gotta be hard as nails, dude. This comic had dudes, uh, dudes and dudettes getting ringing bells right and left, getting kicked out of the program, shaving the heads, writing home to mama. I'll be home for Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> and and just uh and and wouldn't you know it, just as they graduate from the hardest training they've ever had, uh the hardest testing they've ever had. Lo and behold, they got they got a call to action. They gotta they gotta show what what they got almost immediately. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite comic books. P. 
period. Uh, both the G.I. Joe and the Transformers comics, they did it real a lot. Um, they, they, they advanced the, uh, um, the mythos of their individual properties, and they were able to intermingle them, which is, which is really I mean, cool. it's just the, the thing about properties like that, and I'll give them a special shout-out as we wind down for this week. Uh, it's one of the things I love about IDW. They they do these stories yes, that stay yes, yes. in canon. They tell in between stories. They know where they're starting. They kind of know where they have to end, and they're able to elevate mm-hmm. stuff. The Ghostbusters IDW comic has been brilliant. And even if you hated the 2016 yes. movie, those characters have made appearances and have been made into fully fleshed out, arguably entertaining characters. They're Power Rangers mm-hmm. series that they have two of. Uh, and I think that's IDW. Wow. Now I'm afraid it's Boom Studios. But Go Go Power Rangers and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers have been amazing. One of the big topics this year in comic books has been the Green Rangers evil parallel universe self. It's launched YouTube mm-hmm. uh, specials, specialty covers. It was a special edition toy based out of a comic book, based on a, a recycled television show. It is amazing what you could do with these properties. Yeah, that's, that's I'll amazing. ask you this, and then we're, we're going to get out of here for this week. Get ready for the, the holidays that are fast approaching. Happy holidays in advance, nerds. Oh, yeah. Breathing, breathing down Ex- on You ain't lie. I still have to oh, rap. Oh. Uh, and I do not mean I'm dropping my hot <laughs> album this year. Uh, what do you think it is? We, we kind of touched base on it, but what's that X factor that makes us need more? Because comic books can be monthly. They can be bi-weekly. They can mm. be bi-monthly. What sure. is it about a property that makes a comic If it's book? image, it could be every six monthly. <laughs> Accurate. What is it about these properties that makes a comic such a natural fit, such a, a must-have? What is it that, that makes us need more? You, you know what? Um, I, I think what it is, uh, you have to almost be just you have to have seen a comic book that you that that landed with you that that, you know, that that did something for you personally. Um, and, and once you have that, then all of a sudden the format um, becomes one you can trust, the one one that you can get behind. Because, like, imagine if you've never seen a good movie. Imagine if you've never paid your, you know, 12 bucks now um, or, or what have you and sat down in the seat and had your popcorn and you've never seen a movie that you're like, wow, that was two hours well spent. I'm, that, I'm, I'm proud of that decision. Good, good for me. Um, if you had never, ever seen a movie that you liked, why the hell would you go see a movie again in the future, no matter what the topic was? You you probably wouldn't, unless you were like a glutton for punishment, unless you're like some kind of macrolist and you know that just appreciated the pain. <laughs> um, why would you? Why would? Why would you do that? You you probably wouldn't. That that's that's my take, and um, I think um, once you've seen read, uh, owned, clutched to your heart, slept with. Uh, one comic book that meant anything at all to you, then now there's a safe, uh, there's a safe place for you to go to when they when they come out with the comic book about your beloved uh, property. 
So if you're like a big Star Trek person um, and you have read in some point in your life, maybe, I don't know, a U.S. comics <laughs> comic book, now you know that comic books are safe and they can be trusted. Um, and that's, I think trust has a lot to do with it, really. I, I kind of kind of stumbled upon my answer. I liked it. Um, Heartfelt. Trust. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really about trust. Because if you're a Star Trek guy, and or guy or gal, and um, you come across, uh, and you're a Star Trek uh, fan from the show or from movies or, or what have you, and then you come across a Star Trek comic book, which, by the way, one of my first ever who's who's in the universe of that I ever owned and, and had very, very specific recollection of was a Star Trek comic. That's how I learned about a lot of those uh, alien races oh, and, fucking and awesome. specific ships and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made them really, really well. Um, so if you, if you are that fan and then you see a Star Trek comic at your, you know, on the five cent bin, when you, when you're getting, uh, getting your prescription at Walgreens, you feel good about picking that comic up and seeing what's there. Now, then if what's in between the pages is four color goodness. Now, I mean, who, who's having a better day than you? You now have had, it's like develop. It's like, it's like stumbling across a different way to eat chocolate <laughs> cake. You're like, what are you... You're saying I can drink it also? Say that again. Show me exactly how this done. The straw goes <laughs> where? It's like another way to ingest this content that you already love. It's it's just amazing. And you know what? Um, I, I'm not going to go into it, but but the, uh, really, really... Two really quick uh, throwaway examples for me. Um, the, 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 uh, the comic books that were made about the the uh, the prehistory so to speak of what you read about in Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. So The Dark Tower is like 7000 pages combined when you look at all the books um that 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 he wrote and then uh, Marvel came out with a beautiful comic book series which really goes into corners that in all those 7000 pages are only hinted at um, this is more content. So when you're a gigantic fan like I am, this is like holy. It's like bonus content on DVDs. This is this is what what really gets into the corners of your pockets, uh, and your wallet, and digs out the the lint and and so to speak. Um, this is just more of what you already love. If two is if two is good, twenty seven is better. Same thing with uh, Game of Thrones. You know, like you know, if you can get more content for something that you already love. Then you're drinking chocolate cake all day. Love that. Well, for my brother, the CEO of U.S. Comics, I am the COO. And kind of like what Joker said, if just one bad day can drive anyone insane, I truly believe one good story arc can save even the most useless of a character in other medium. Make sure you follow us on all of our... We're talking to you, Terry McGinnis. Uh, all of our social media is at Read US Comics. Come say hi. Tell us your favorite property that was turned into a comic, and we will see you on the next comic book day. Peace! Ho, ho, ho.